I don't know if um, projectionists could um, put up Isaiah 57, 14 and 15, which I'm going to read. Uh, reading from the NIV, the prophet Isaiah says, build up, build up, prepare the road, remove the obstacles out of the way of my people. For this is what the High and Lofty One says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. The actual title I was given for this message was um, Getting Rid of the Obstacles to Growth and, and Obstacles that Stop Us Hearing from God. And uh, about two days after I was asked to speak, this passage came to me. And uh, the next day, Andrew came to me and said, I've been praying about what you should speak on. And the Lord said, Isaiah 57. And I said, that's what he said to me yesterday. So I do believe there's big confirmation. I do believe this is right. Um, so let's look at this passage together. Um, I hope you have a Bible and can find it. Um, so this passage uses the imagery of road building removing jagged rocks. Isaiah 57, 14 and 15. Yeah, removing jagged rocks to encourage us to deal with hindrances that get in the way of, of us on our spiritual journey. So why should we obey? Isaiah is very clear. He said, because the high and exalted God who lives forever has spoken. Therefore, we can 100% trust this statement. It's a prophetic statement. And what I like about it is that it goes on to say the rewards that we get at the end. It's very good news at the end. Revived spirits. Revived hearts. It's a very complete word. It, do, it says what we need to deal with, and then it says what the Lord gives us when we can do that. So the language Isaiah uses here when he talks about God being high and lofty and lifted up, it's the same as in Isaiah chapter 6, which you may well be familiar with. Um, when Isaiah said, I saw the Lord, and he was high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. It's the same phrases used here in Isaiah 57. So God promises to dwell with us when we are contrite and have asked the Lord for forgiveness. This is grace. God doesn't leave us crushed by the batterings of life and the effects of sin, the most high and holy God dwells with us and revives our crushed spirits. 
He renews our relationship with him. But there is a responsibility that we have to try to be aware of times when we have um, made a wrong decision, a wrong choice in our lives. I'm going to start by dealing with a couple of things that I think are beyond our control, but do affect us as Christians and that we need to be aware of. And the first one is a culture of unbelief in Britain. Um, we've talked about this in prayer meetings and um, I'm sure we're all aware that we're surrounded by people who very often don't share and don't understand our faith. So in the media, at work, at school, it's more acceptable now to have no faith than to have faith in Christ. Um, you're respected if you have strong self-belief, but maybe you're not respected if you're putting your trust in the Lord. So it's, it's difficult. We encounter cynicism towards our faith. And the concept of the miraculous, particularly. Um, so if we talk about God speaking to us, people think, oh, they're going, they're, they're losing it. You know, they're hearing voices. They're losing it. Because there's no concept of, of a loving God who could intervene in our life and change our circumstances. It is difficult um, working with non-Christians. Um, it is hard. And sometimes it affects us. I, I remember going to India. It was a long time ago now, but I spent two months in India. And although there was obviously a lot of Hinduism, some Islamic um, people as well, but there was a, a culture that seemed more open to the miraculous. And when you actually shared and... Um, Andrew was, was speaking a lot and I was speaking in ladies' meetings and things like that. Um, when I started to share about a miraculous God, even with people who weren't yet Christians, there was an acceptance about it. Yes, God is God. He can work powerfully. He can do miracles. There isn't that, really, in Britain. And I think it is a hindrance it's definitely a hindrance. We can't change it. Well, not overnight. We can pray into our situation. And we can pray that some of those that we work with change. And God will do that. But it is a hindrance. We just need to be aware of it. That we should pour out prayer on everybody who is in that hard situation. Um, and our kids at school as well. Um, so... Just be aware that when in this country we're speaking about a powerful, supernatural, loving God, we're sharing a strange, a new concept, and it is a hindrance. If everyone around us is negative, it can influence us. It can erode our trust in the Lord. Um, and we may be tempted to doubt our faith or backslide somewhat. And sometimes we may say things that we know will please others rather than say what we really want to say. Um, it is a temptation. We sometimes want to fit in. 
So that is a hindrance. We cannot change it, however, but we can pray for each other and try to stand firm. Uh, a second difficulty that I'm going to mention, although I'm not going to spend much time on it, is when things go badly for us, when we have difficulties in our life. Um, we might suffer a broken relationship. We might have a close family bereavement. Uh, we might lose our job. These things happen. They happen to the people of God as much as to anyone else. And we cannot change these negative circumstances. And they rock us. And we might feel like giving up on God. I was in a church once and um, we were visiting door to door and we um, talked to a guy called John. And he said, I just can't, I can't countenance that there is a loving God because my mother died when I was 12. He said, I just can't forgive God for letting that happen. He said, I can't believe. He said, I've spent the whole of my life just doing my own thing, um, just living for pleasure and getting, escaping, really, from the hurt that he felt. What happened, he did come to Christ in his 40s, but all that time, he was upset with God. And um, he, he couldn't come. He couldn't commit himself to God. So these things are a hindrance sometimes, the things that happen to us. I'm not going to spend too much time on it because I noticed that someone else is going to speak on this later. Um, but I will just give you two scriptures that the Lord asked me to give to you. And the first is Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. He did it for John, uh, my old friend. He will do it for us. And the second one is Psalm 43, 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So it's at these times, more than any other time, that we need to be praying, that we need to be in close relationship with God. Um, there'll be a, a whole message on this. Uh, so let's get on to some of the things that we can change. Removing the obstacles that prevent us growing. I love this passage in Isaiah because it talks about building. And uh, about two years ago during COVID, you know, a lot of us in the church were having words about building. It, was, it seemed to be what God was saying. Build, to move on. And um, this passage, I think, is a framework from, for what um, I want to say. Um, we, we, we are aware of the culture that we live in, and we are aware that when bad things happen to us, um, we are going to be hit. We are going to feel it. But there are things that we can change, and they are our personal weaknesses. Um, 
Our relationship with the Lord should be reflected in everything we do. But our weaknesses hinder us. Um, and we do mess up. I want to get, get it clear. When we come to Christ, we become saints, not sinners. Um, I want to state that because it is the truth that um, the Lord deals with all our past sins, everything, and it's as if it hasn't happened. And we are cleansed, and that is lovely, and that is great. But there are times when we mess up since that time. And it might be a character weakness, it might be that we are a humorous person and we make a joke at someone else's expense. And after we've said it, you know, a word in our conscience, the Holy Spirit says to us, that was badly done. Uh, you should not have said that. Um, we've probably all been in that particular circumstance. And we have to deal with it. We have to put it right. We have to apologize to the person. We have to apologize to the Lord. And that's all it takes, because we are cleansed, we are forgiven. It's just dealing with those little things that come up um, from day to day to keep that channel open with the Lord. Because if we don't deal with it, if we allow ourselves to get into a routine of um, speaking out of turn, of saying or doing things that we know are not right, and, and Christians do get into those kind of difficulties, then what happens is with repeated sin, we get this hardness of heart, which Mike spoke about, which Nick spoke about. It's coming at us again. I apologize for that, but I think God is wanting to again repeat the fact that if we don't deal with it, it builds up. Just like calcium in your washing machine. It builds up. And Hebrews 3 says, be aware that you don't get into sin and, and get hardness of heart. Because that is when we will stop hearing from the Lord um, it's interesting. Psalm 66, verse 18 says, 66, 18, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So if we have a repeated problem, and I, I'm not God, I don't know what anybody's problems might be, and they will be different for all of us, but that is what God is saying to me that repeated sin and covered sin is a problem. It's not a problem if we're aware of something and we deal with it, but it is a problem if we don't and we let it build up and fester and we get used to it, perhaps. Because God and sin don't mix. I used to speak at Kids Club in my last church and um, I had this bottle of oil and water. And when I was talking about the things we do wrong, um, I would get a call upon a six-year-old to come out and um, shake the bottle up 
And I said, right, your challenge is to mix it, mix it up, so that the oil and the water are mixed, not separate. And so they, they'd do it, and they'd, um, I said, right, put it down on the table. And I'd carry on um, talking about um, the, um, the sinful day that, that someone at school had had and had done a series of wrong things. And every time they'd done something wrong, another child would come and hang a piece of dirty washing on a clothesline. And, um, and I'd be talking about the things that we mess up on. And um, then I'd look back at the bottle of oil and water, and of course, as we all know, um, it had separated. And I would say, yeah, so we mess up, but that causes a barrier between us and God. And um, I looked for this bottle when I was doing this message, and I, it, it got thrown away when we moved. So I don't have it, but I think you all know what I mean. Um, God and sin are just like oil and water. They don't mix. So if it's confessed, it's still dealt with, and it's no longer haunting us, and it's no longer a problem. But if it's hidden or covered, and sometimes the things we might do are things we wouldn't want anyone else to know about. If it's covered sin, and that is entirely different, and that is something the Lord wanted me to say. Um, unconfessed sin is sin that is still there. And the enemy will use it to hook into us and, and to uh, get us to do that again. And it can become a routine. We know, don't we, if we've made a wrong choice and we've hurt the Lord or displeased him or hurt someone else. And sometimes, if we haven't dealt with that thing, we can be so uncomfortable in God's presence that we stop praying altogether. And we might avoid coming to church because, you know, we've got this problem that we don't want anyone to know about. And, and you know, God might challenge us about it. And we don't want to be out of our comfort zone, so we stay away. I've known people who've shipwrecked their faith completely just because of one mistake. And I don't want that to happen. At this point, I'm going to ask Carol to come forward because last Sunday at the, in, the, in the service, she didn't have an opportunity to give a word that God had given to her. Um, and I, I really felt that Carol's words should be publicly proclaimed. It was put on the uh, email, but not everybody might have seen it. So, Carol. Right, it's a picture of a washing machine. Some stains are obvious, whereas others are not so obvious. You know that your clothes are dirty because you've worn them, but they can still look clean. But you still wash them alongside the obviously dirty clothes. Water will do so much, but you need detergent to get rid of the stains. What I believe the Lord is saying is, get rid of all your sins 
those that are obvious and those you may think are not worthy to call a sin as they are so small and not really noticeable. Prayer will go so far, but you need the blood of Jesus to get rid of all the stains that stain your life. Thank you. Thank you. So that word was given to us last Sunday, and um, it was confirmation to me that I should be saying what I've said today. Um, he wants us to have a clean sheet with him. Um, no secrets. And uh, in this church, we don't confess to a priest, as they do in some, but we need to confess to the Lord. Sometimes it's easier if you confess to a leader in complete confidence. Sometimes that is important because we can't go back to it if one person knows, if our prayer partner knows. Um, but it's important to deal with everything. There's the, there's the obvious sins, but there's also the covered ones, the small ones. The other thing that I think I should say is that one thing that hits us all, and myself included, is neglect of prayer. So if I'm asking myself, what are the hindrances to me hearing God? Sometimes it's because I've started the day without prayer. I've tried to get through my day in my own strength and I know that. It has been a difficult week because God has had to hit me with all these points um, before I share them with you. Um, I've been in a situation where I've missed a prayer meeting because I've felt like I need to relax. Um, or, and this, this one is very embarrassing for me, or because the football is on. <laughs> and I do confess this. Derek, Derek himself knows that I enjoy um, uh, a good football match. And during the World Cup, you know, it has happened that I have made the wrong choice. And I've decided to um, pander to my interest in football rather than um, my commitment to the Lord in prayer. Um, I try not to do it now. Um, now I've shared it with you guys, I really <laughs> think I, I can't miss prayer for football, but I have done it, and I'm probably not alone. Uh, but even if you're not into football, there are so many TV channels, there's always something to watch that would interest and entertain us. But I just felt challenged. Prayer is, is a sacrifice. Prayer is intended. Our worship is a sacrifice, but prayer also is a sacrifice, and just like in the Old Testament, people would bring an animal sacrifice, we bring our prayer to the Lord as a sacrifice. And perhaps some of us have lost that understanding of prayer. As we offer our time and, and our worship to the Lord, um, God comes and God meets with us, and it's a blessed time. Um, I know I'm much more at peace after prayer than I am before. I sleep much better if I've 
been praying. And um, I have to say, a, a recent prayer meeting I went to, I, I looked around and <laughs> everyone looked totally exhausted, <laughs> dead on their feet. And I looked around and I thought, well, that, that encourages me. Uh, why does it encourage me? Uh, because they're here. Sorry to get excited. But you know, they're, they're here. They're dead on their feet. They're yawning a lot. Um, but they're here. And they're putting themselves in the way of blessing. And it encouraged me. So, you know, you get to a prayer meeting, everyone looks like they'd rather be somewhere else. Be encouraged. Because they are putting God first. And I think it's lovely. And I tell you, we all went away a lot more lively at the end of the prayer than we were at the beginning. <laughs> These things happen. But there is a real blessing in prayer. And so neglect of prayer is, is, is almost um, harming ourselves because we, we don't get the benefit. We, we don't get it. Looking back at Isaiah 57, 14 and 15, it talks about a revived spirit and a revived heart if we're contrite. And I just want to remind you, you know all this, that there is a link between prayer and revival. And it's here in Isaiah 57 that if we are contrite, we've confessed anything we're aware of, then the Lord can revive us. Then we can pray like we haven't prayed before because there's a clear channel between us and the Lord. Um, and, and when a lot of us, when a whole bunch of us are at that point together, that's when revival happens in the church. That's what it is. It's a bunch of us um, realizing there's nothing between us and God. We are contrite. We, we can expect revival. We ask him to change our hearts and we ask him to do amazing things in our midst. We all want God to work in our fellowship. We do. And I do. And when we don't pray, the devil is delighted because the last thing he wants is a revived church. And when we pray, either at home or together, then we're one step nearer to that. And God will hear. And, and the enemy would, <laughs> loves to keep us from prayer. Why is it that just when you decided to have a time of prayer in the evening, you get three phone calls one after the other? Why? Have you noticed that? You know, when you set out a time to pray, something happens. Um, or you're down on your slot for 24-7 prayer. And you suddenly go to sleep in the chair and you wake up and the time's gone. Um, you know, the enemy is just rubbing his hands together because he um, doesn't want us to pray. Um, obviously, when Henny was speaking, he, he suggested a lot of things about getting more prayer into our lives. Praying on the way to work, praying on the train, praying on the bus, praying in the supermarket queue, whatever works for you to get more prayer into our life. 
um, and to thwart the works of the enemy because God is just waiting to bless us. Um, ask and you will receive. Amen. Do I get an amen? Yeah. So he's just desperate for us to speak to him. Amen. Yeah, you agree. I agree. So, when we stop praying, and I've known people in, a, in my last church who stopped praying for a, a long time. And um, I'll tell a story. I was, um, years ago, I was doing a, a theological course. Um, some of you may know that I um, used to teach RE, but I got that job without actually any qualifications in RE. And um, so I decided I needed to do a course and uh, get, some, get a piece of paper that enabled me to um, continue in the job with good conscience. So I, I enrolled on this two-year course, and it was in Isleworth at the College of Further Education there. Um, when I got there, I found that of the six people on the course, one of them lived in the next road to me. So he said, well, you know, you don't need to come on the train. I'll, I'll give you a lift. So this person who I will call David, that isn't his real name, um, he, he gave me a lift. And um, the first time we were just talking about the weather and the news, and the second time we started talking about teaching RE because he was another RE teacher. And he said to me, okay, what's it like in your um, school and, and what time do you have to get up to be there, you know? Um, do you have a long day? And I said, well, I try and get up early to pray. And, um, and he laughed. And he said, we don't need to pray. We don't need, I don't need to pray. The Lord is always with me. And I said, well, if Jesus needed to pray, how much more do you and I need to pray? He was really angry. <laughs> He said, I don't want you in my car anymore. And he stopped at the side of the road and he put me out. No. Yes, it happened. Um, so, you know, we were about halfway through an eight mile journey. So I thought, right, I hadn't expected this. Um, maybe I spoke out of turn. Um, so I kind of vaguely knew the way because I'd cycled it once. Um, and um, so I started walking. Well, in David's defense, about 10 minutes later, he came back and he picked me up and he said, I, I don't want you to walk. Um, but there was silence. We didn't talk about prayer. And um, I realized that he was he was so proud of his qualifications and his job and teaching RE to, in a sixth form college. He was teaching A-level students. And he, he really felt that he had a lot to offer them and it was all because he'd studied. And he wasn't praying at all. Um, and he was challenged. He was so challenged he didn't want me in his car. Now, that's what can happen if you stop praying. 
you can become hard-hearted, and you then respond angrily when someone suggests that you um, come to a prayer meeting, let's say. So that was him. And he just wasn't prepared to pray. I hope to God that he's changed. I haven't seen him for a long time. He may have um, humbled himself before God and changed. I hope so. I hope so. But that is what happens. If we get out of the habit of doing the right thing, we do the wrong thing and we suffer. So he didn't have the Holy Spirit with him, really. Well, he certainly didn't at that time. <laughs> I think God challenged him. And he came back, praise the Lord. So I didn't miss my first lecture. So the New Testament is very clear about dealing with sin. And I'm going to quote 1 John 1, verse 8 and 9, which I'm sure you've all come across. It says... If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That's illustrated very, very well by David. He said, I've got no sin. I don't need to pray. His pride and his self-sufficiency was making him say that. He wasn't facing up to the fact that, okay, sometimes we do and say the wrong thing. Um, so... 1 John 1, 9 goes on to say, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So confession is for all of us. And as Carol said, God's interested in the small things, not just the big things. He's particularly interested in covered sin because that can infect a whole church. That can affect a whole church. Um, it can. And I have experienced that in a previous fellowship. Um, but he is interested in the small things. He wants us to be very quick to confess things. Um, I've got a, a little picture, an analogy. Um, one day at, at school... Um, I walked into the staff room and someone um, just said, could you just come outside for a minute, Pauline? And took me outside into the corridor and said, Pauline, are you aware that your top is on inside out? And I said, no, of course I didn't know. Thank you so much for telling me. And, and being partially sighted, it is one of the um, hazards of getting dressed that if the garment looks the same, um, on the outside as it does on the inside, you can put it on wrong. So I rushed into the ladies and put it right. I wasn't rebellious. I didn't say, oh, how dare you, you know, accuse me of not dressing properly. Um, I was repentant and I was thankful that they pointed it out and I immediately went and put it right before I went into period one, because obviously teenagers in secondary school would be merciless, <laughs> totally merciless, and I would not have been able to teach them anything, that lesson. So I was, I was rushing off to put it right, and I think that picture 
It actually happened. It wasn't a story I've made up. It actually happened. That is how we should be when God points out something that we have messed up on. We should be in a rush to, to put it right. Um, and I believe that is what God wants to say to us today. We need to remove those obstacles so that we can progress on our spiritual journey, so that we can grow, move on with God, so that channel between us and God is open all the time, so there's nothing hindering it as far as we are aware. And so, yeah, we've been cleansed, we've been forgiven when we came to Christ initially, but we just need to be ready to put right those times when we've got our jumper on inside out. I wore this one today deliberately because it's got buttons on the um, outside and I definitely know it's not the wrong way around. Um, but this is what God is wanting to say. Um, confess quickly, sort it quickly. Um, as soon as God reveals anything to us, um, in my experience, if we want to hear God speak to us, um, the quickest way is to pray, Lord, show me what needs to change in my life. If we're humble enough to pray that, then the Lord will immediately show you something that you can change. I found that anyway. Um, and then, when it's confessed, we can enjoy that revived heart, that revived spirit. Um, we, speaking personally, you know, it, it reflects in my life like a, a lightness of spirit when I've confessed something. Um, and then God, it's got, God rushes in and um, gives us a heart for other people and fills us with the spirit again. Um, so I know... Um, I can't remember where the verse is but in Ephesians where it says be filled with the spirit someone will know where it is um, the Greek actually means be constantly being filled with the spirit so that suggests that there are times when we do need to actually come to God afresh and, and get cleaned up again um, so that's what I believe God wants for us. God and sin cannot mix, but thanks to Jesus' work on the cross, sin can be dealt with. And then the high and holy one dwells with us. So, amen, Mark. Uh, I, I would like to pray now and I would just lead us in prayer, asking that the Lord will not leave anything that is inside us that needs to come out. Um, so let's just pray. Lord God, we come to you as a fellowship of your people. And Lord, we don't want to be wearing our jumper inside out. We don't want to have something that is not right. And we ask, Lord, that you will show us. 
what is wrong in our lives if there is something that is not confessed. I pray, Lord, for anyone with, with covered sin that they'll have the courage and boldness to confess. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you, by your spirit, will come to us and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That we may walk with you unblemished. That um, our makeover is complete. (laughs) That our failures don't count anymore. That the accuser is silenced. Amen.